Hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host Jessica Dwyer and I know it's been a while but um, I've packed this episode full of scary horror film love interviews for you guys. I have three major interviews. I'm really excited to share these guys with you. Um, All of these films are either um, going to be released this month, just in time for Halloween, or they are already available. So um, this episode is just pure interviews. Um, I'm really, really stoked for this. Uh, So we have... First of all, uh, the man who started Saw, uh, Darren Lynn Boozman, has released Death of Me, which is a very creepy, very cool movie with Maggie Q. Um, the film is it just, as we say in the interview, it, it really um, brings up the vibes of uh, Wicker Man and things like that, that good old cult horror that uh you you know stranger in a strange land uh weird rituals and beliefs and getting trapped in a place where you don't speak the language it is a creepy movie and really speaks to those phobias and that kind of you know you don't have anywhere to turn and no one understands you and um it just really good uh very well acted and that is actually available on demand and digital right now um, following Darren Lynn Boozman, uh, we will have, and this one I was really excited about, and you'll hear me squealing a little bit, I think, in the interview, because, I mean, come on, how many times do you get to talk to a classic doctor? Uh, Sylvester McCoy, who is in the also great The Owners, which is actually based off of a comic book and also co-stars Macy Williams. It is coming out on October 20th on DVD and Blu-ray, and it is a uh, great creepy old school makes me think of old school hammer films and amicus it's great um just really good acting just it's frustrating horror it's kind of goes along with death of me where you you're just like oh man um you just start having anxiety with some of the stuff going on it's like no don't do that that's bad uh great film um really creepy beautifully done um jobs by sylvester mccoy and and company in that and uh i i kind of love it because his character is sort of like the doctor that he played the seventh doctor always had this little bit of a darkness to him hidden by whimsy and you'll see um when you watch the movie which i i definitely recommend it uh that this is another one of those characters where there is a whimsy to him but also a deep darkness and creepy factor um calculating factor and i really loved it um and then i'm so excited for this one uh jeremy king from scare package rad chad himself i loved scare package i thought it was fantastic I mean, you got to love a movie where Joe Bob Briggs is playing Joe Bob Briggs and he's a hero, um, sort of, uh, in it. And uh, Jeremy King just stole my heart as Rad Chad. He he just was so good in this movie and he's hilarious and funny and I really want to scare Package 2 where we bring him back. Uh, I don't know how we would do that. I kind of give an idea in the interview of what we could do for getting Rad Chad back. Um, 
but so fa fantastic of a movie. And so that is actually also coming out on October 20th on VOD, digital, DVD, and Blu-ray um, for the longest time. And the only way you could see Scare Package was if you had Shudder. Uh, still recommend watching it on Shudder, especially the uh, last drive-in episode with a double feature of that with Hogzilla, because yes, Darcy is a patron saint of all of us mutants for getting Hogzilla completed and shown. But Scare Package is so freaking good. Um, just hilarious. Just a big old love letter to horror movies. And for us kids that grew up in that time of video stores and uh, watching Late Night Monster Vision, uh, this Aaron Coonson company did a fantastic job. And Jeremy King is so great. And I was really happy to get to talk to him um, about this, about a little bit about Pale Door in there. And um, uh, just great interview. So much fun. Uh, you can tell that he just really loves this movie and it, it meant a lot to him. So I'm really excited to get these guys, um, these interviews for you guys. And um, again, uh, I hope you're all safe. I hope you're having, a, you know, making as much as fun as you can out of this time that we're in. I mean, I, I'm stuck right there with you. Uh, just keeping yourself occupied, keeping yourself safe and just enjoying what we can um, right now. I know this Halloween isn't the one that we wanted, um, but we'll get through it. We have the uh, the last drive-in Halloween special that is coming on the 23rd. I'm very excited. I can't wait to see it. My fingers are crossed that we're gonna get a triple dose of, of Silver Foxes with uh, Joe Bob Briggs and Tom Atkins maybe, and maybe Bruce Campbell, but I don't know. We'll see if that actually happens. God, I hope it would. I don't know if I could take that, but I will gladly gladly put my ovaries at risk to see all three of them together. I'm good with that. Um, but we have that to look forward to. Uh, hopefully you're safe. Hopefully your family's safe. Um, we'll get through this together with the power of horror movies. Um, one thing to keep in mind too is Shudder is just bringing it, um, not not only with, with the special, but they just added a ton of Roger Corman, Vincent Price movies, just a bunch of Vincent Price movies. Um, Amazon is also, Amazon Prime is doing a fantastic job with a ton of old school 80s horror flicks. They even have Sundown the Vampire and Retreat on there right now. And if you have not seen that movie, it's one of my favorites. Um, Bruce Campbell playing a Van Helsing versus David Carradine as Dracula. Uh, Maxwell Caulfield's in there. It's like a girl my age is porn because you've got Maxwell Caulfield and you've got Bruce Campbell and all these guys and Dana Ashbrook. From, yeah, I mean, it's got everybody. Um, great movie. That's on Amazon Prime for free right now. Uh, just a lot of good stuff. And also HBO Max um, has a ton of great stuff on as well. They've got the entire criteria. They got like a Criterion Collection area and they've got literally every Godzilla movie thanks to that. So if you're looking for like old school Japanese monster flicks for this Halloween season, that is a great place to go um, to find your fix. Uh, and it's cheap too. It's not that expensive. Get a free trial. I think they've got that going on. Shudder, I believe, still has a free trial going on. The one that apparently doesn't now is Netflix. I guess they got rid of free trials, but they're worth the money because they've also got The Haunting of Bly Manor on that just came out. 
and their own good mix of horror films. Hulu's also knocking it out of the park um, with a bunch of good stuff. They've got Monsterland on there. Um, they've got, uh, this isn't horror related, but really, truly, you need to watch Stage with David Tennant and Michael Sheehan. If you haven't, it's fantastic. Uh, but they've also, um, Hulu, uh, if you have the pay service like I did, I kicked cable to the curb and I got rid of DirecTV because I was sick of paying a lot of money for something I could get cheaper. Um, if you have uh, access to uh, Hulu, you also have access to TCM, Turner Classic Movies, which this month, um, or you know, if you still do have cable or if you still do have... DirecTV, um, as you will, uh, TCM is having Peter Cushing as their star of the month for the entire month of October, which means they have a ton of Peter Cushing films, which you can't do much better than that, um, and including ones that I've actually never seen, uh, Cash on Demand, where he plays a, a bank manager, it's a thriller, it's a hammer film actually, but it's a thriller, not a horror film, quote unquote. Uh, and they also have um, uh, the Sword of Sherwood Forest on there, uh, a bunch of films. I'm just really happy that Peter Cushing is getting his due this month. They're, they're having both of his Doctor Who films as well. And uh, that is a wonderful treat for fans. They also have on-demand TCM. Um, they have some really great old-school uh, horror films. I keep saying Hammer, but it's not, even though Hammer forever uh they have a ton of old school horror films available on demand too uh including some Lon Chaney senior stuff uh and then there is one called Lord I believe it's called I think um that has Boris Karloff and Lucille Ball in it and I'm very uh very intrigued uh by that but uh there are tons of stuff for you to watch um right now on on all the, the streaming networks, on everything. Uh, you really need to check out uh, TCM's Peter Cushing films. You really need to check out the stuff that they've got on Shudder. They've added Fade to Black, and it looks beautiful. It's like a 2K, 4K wet restoration. I don't know how they did it, but it looks absolutely stunning. Just beautiful. Um, and I believe HBO Max has um, Horror of Dracula on there, and it looks amazing. Like, uh, I am seeing things within these versions of these movies that I never noticed before because the quality is so crisp and beautiful. Uh, so if you're uh, like a horror, like I am for all of these old school movies, and they're kind of like your your blanket, um, your security blanket for getting through things and just feeling safe, which is totally okay. That if that's your way of dealing with stuff, it's crawling into a movie that you have seen 500,000 times, that's fine. That's okay. You're, you're with friends here. We get it. I get it. Um, go forth and do that with all of these streaming channels. That'll get you through. It gets you through and it makes you happy. It's a way to celebrate um, the Halloween season and horror films and you know, the best thing you can do is just pop these on, get some pizza, um, and get some junk food, and just set and veg, 
and enjoy horror movies in the month of October, which is what we all should be doing, especially you lucky bastards that got that Friday the 13th set. I hate you and I love you in equal measure. Um, I've seen the pictures of that thing. It looks amazing. It sold out. I don't think you can get it anymore. Maybe you can, but it's probably going to be a lot of money. Um, but it looks gorgeous and I hate you and I love you in equal measure. With that, uh, here comes our triple threat of interviews. I hope you enjoy it. Um, I hope you're safe, as I said. Spread the word, not the virus, and we'll get through this, I swear. Um, just keep watching old movies and enjoying life. That's what we need to do. It's always what we should do. And um, I love you guys. I'll talk to you later. And I hope you have a wonderful Halloween. Oh, hello, sir. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. Where are you? Where are you? Oh, I am in Eugene, Oregon. I'm over in the States. All right. I'm in France, up a mountain, in a medieval village. Oh, if, if you're going to be somewhere, that is somewhere to be. That sounds fantastic. It is. It's so <laughs> medieval. It's so medieval that at night when it's dark, if you listen carefully, you can hear a tumbrel being dragged over the cobblestones and... If you listen very, very carefully, you can hear someone say, bring out your dad. Bring out your dad. <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, sir, I, I'm so that's happy. That's that's amazing. Sir, I am so happy to talk to you. Um, I am a massive Whovian, and uh, I just wanted to say thank you for keeping oh. that franchise going and being a part of one of my favorite things in all of history. Um, so thank okay. you for that. <laughs> um, but this movie, uh, the owners, uh, wow, you you have uh, reinvented yourself with this, and it is fantastic. What made you interested in doing this film, and how was it described to you? Well, I mean, what it made me interested was the fact that. Um, uh, it wasn't being another doctor. It was the fact that the character uh, went through such a wonderful journey from sweetness to horror, sweetness to hate, sweetness to evil. It's, I just it's a lovely journey to to go through, really. And uh, how was it described? What was described as a, um, a you know, a, a psychological mystery. Uh, with this touch of horror at the end. Well, and one thing that I, I wanted to ask you about was because you, um, gosh, you played it so well. Um, while we get quite a bit of history within the film about the Hugginses, did you and Rita make up any kind of special history for yourselves, like the the romance of, of how you two met and, and became a couple and how it all kind of went wrong? No, we didn't really. Um, uh, there wasn't that, that kind of st enough time. We kind of just met uh, at uh, the wardrobe where the costume fitting, and had some photographs taken. And then we were uh, deep into it. But we got on like a house on fire, as if we'd known each other for years. And Rita is from Liverpool. And the Love of Pavilion is fun, among the funniest people in the world. <laughs> in my comedy days of touring with a comedy group, we used to tour the world and make people laugh. But when we went to Liverpool, they made me laugh. And so I got on 
really well with, with Rita. So it was easy. And my character, I, I kind of looked upon it as a love story. I loved my wife so dearly, and yet I was losing her to Alzheimer's or, or one of those, you know, things. And uh, he, in order to try and keep her with me, I loved her so much, I had to keep her with me, to keep her sharp, to keep her interested. I had to fulfill whatever she was she wanted. I mean, the tragedy was that what she wanted was horror. But, you know, I loved her so much, I'd give her horror. You want horror? I've got to give you horror. <laughs> Uh, horror is the way to the heart. Um, I, I, and I love how, as you said, I loved how wonderfully dark your character was and how he, but at the same time you were able to be so sweet. Um, and you've done that like with your, with your doctor, just to kind of hit up on that. There was always like a, a little bit of darkness to your doctor, which I really, really loved. And it was hidden within this cosmic jokester that you were. And you, you brought that here uh, to the nth degree. And you've played heroic yeah. characters and, you know, with Radagast and with the Doctor, but you always put a little bit of dark into that, those characters, just a little. How do you approach playing a villain differently from a hero in your mind? Well, I, uh, the thing is, I'm not a method actor. I'm, uh, I'm instinctive. I have, sometimes when I start, to play a character, I have no idea what is going to come out. It's a bit like stepping off a cliff. And if I'm lucky, I fly. If I'm not, I crash to the bottom. Luckily, I've, most of the time, it's worked. It's kind of, it's very difficult, really. I mean, a few people disappoint, but it's, it's an instinct. It's something internal. It's, you know, the creative, there's a mystery in creativity. And I, I, I don't know what it is. I can't define it, but I have it in me, this mystery, and a lot of the times it works, but don't ask me how. It's as if someone else was controlling it, and I'm only the, you know, the, it's a bit, it's a, you know, Doctor Who just changed his uh, outer uh, skin, as it were, and I, uh, and I suppose that's what I'm like as an actor, I suppose. That's Does that make sense? That's a very good answer, yes. Um. So one thing, too, I wanted to ask you about in regards to this, and, and I mean, this this movie just reemphasizes never underestimate older people. You never know what they're capable of or what they'll do to you. Um, you <laughs> this was very physical and intense in a lot of ways. Like, you, there were some supremely intense scenes. How was it filming those, um, especially when you're tied up? I mean, you... It was it was nerve wracking watching the two of you and seeing what was going on between you and, and your your hostage holders. How was it to film those? Because it seemed very compacted, like a compacted area that you were in. Well, was, I mean, it wasn't. You know, you you hit the, you hit the word and intense. It was very intense and um, focused. And uh, uh, but the result of that was well. When we left the set, um, Rita and I turned into a double act, comedy act, just to counter what, you know, the, the dark places that we went to in ourselves, I suppose, because we're in there somewhere, we've all got that darkness, and then, um, you know, you, you, you mind the that in a sense, and then in order to 
get away from it as quick as possible, we turned into, um, uh, it was like a, a double act, you know, like um, Gracie and George, you know, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And, you know, and so much so that everyone on the set kept saying, you should take this act on the road. <laughs> I don't know how well that would be received if you were killing people. <laughs> yes, I, we killed last night, honey. We just killed. That was <laughs> yes. It's a whole new meaning to that. <laughs> so, um, one, I know I don't have you for very much longer, but I had one last question for you, sir, and um, I'm curious to see what your answer is, because I I remember you in Dracula with Frank Langella. You've been in horror. Um, uh, you've done science fiction. You've done fantasy. What is your favorite genre to perform in, and, and do you have a favorite that you, you particularly enjoy to watch or be in? Well, I enjoy infinite variety of acting, doing lots of very different things. I suppose, I mean, you know, there's, there's various different media. If you go for television, I suppose Doctor Who was uh, a pinnacle, uh, although I did lots of other stuff that I loved. But I, and if you go for theater, I suppose, playing the fool to uh, King Lear, uh, to Ian McKellen, the, 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 which we filmed as well, that was like the pinnacle for um, a character actor like myself. The Fool is one of the great roles. And then in film, playing Radagast and, you know, a blockbuster, three big films, that was great. But the last thing, I mean, also enjoyed Sense8. I don't know if you've seen that. I loved doing that. I mean, that was just great fun. The thing is, I tend to actually, I'm, I'm, if, you, if you think of an actor who's a, um, not very loyal lover. You take on a role and you love it, and then you, 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 you then when you leave it, you abandon it completely, and then you fall in love with another role. And so you know I, that's what I'm like, really. The next role, and I fall in love with it, and then I've done it, and then I push it aside and get on to the next one. That makes sense. It does. Uh, well, Sylvester, thank you so much, sir. And again, thank you for for being a part of one of my favorite things and now you're back in one of my favorite genres and I I just got to say thank you for all of your wonderful work. I mean you you've 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 done all, everything that I love. Thank you. Too kind. Hey, hey Jessica, how are you? Hey Darren, how are you? Great to talk to you again. Doing well, thank you. Yes, I agree. <laughs> so I, I don't have you for very long, so I want to pick your brain apart about this movie, Death of Me. Um, just yes. creepy and disturbing on a lot of levels. Well done. Um, <laughs> can Thank you, you. I, I, first of all, the, the theme of sacrifice and how far people will go to survive is such a major part of this. It made me think of The Wicker Man, which is one of the most disturbing um, horror films ever. Um, Can you talk about if you took inspiration from that and where you took um, your where you took the inspiration from for this film? Because, man, it's it was very unnerving. Thank you very much. So um, first off, hold on one second here. Okay, I'm good. Can you hear me? Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, 
So, um, Wicker Man is, is probably one of my top three favorite horror films, or not even horror films, just films of all time. Um, you know, I put that up there with my love of Rosemary's Baby and some of the others. Um, so, yes, absolutely, Wicker Man played a huge, huge thing for me into kind of my my love and admiration for the kind of folklore horror genre. Um, so, I love movies that deal with faith. And, you know, I love movies that deal with... Oh, hold on one second. There's a weird buzzing. I'm trying to fix this. Give me two seconds. No worries. Almost ready. Almost. Oh, there we go. So, um, I, I, I love that kind of folklore horror that basically deals in beliefs, in people's beliefs. And I think that as me, as a, as a, as a, as a person... I struggle with my own beliefs. And so I love being able to go and explore and tackle uh, different, different people's beliefs and what they'll do for what they believe in. I think it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating thing. So, you know, Wicker Man obviously does it. This, this island that is inhabited in, in this guy coming to try to solve a crime. But I wanted to do it in a, maybe a more accessible way, which people who vacation. I mean, I go on vacations. I go with my wife all over the world. And what would happen if you stumbled into one of these places that, that have this very, you know, uh, fanatical belief in something? Uh, and I think it's just a really cool, it's a really cool thing to explore because we all do things based on what we believe in. And who are we to say which one is right or not? It's based in faith. You don't know if it's real or not. Well, and you, you kind of, there is this, this line, drawing the line between your faith and your religion and, you know, the, the, how to describe it, the, the, the one, the, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, the one to quote some Star Trek in there, because they're, you know, the whole, are you willing to uh, give your life for the life of all of these people here? And in this case, it's there's so many levels of, of of bad, but at the same time you've got like a child who she sees this little girl and it, it's like okay, well whose life is worth more? And there's so many levels to it, so it's really what you said. It's very complex. Thank you very much. I mean, you, you you're one of the first people to bring this up, and that's exactly what we were trying to go for is. First thing is I love about this movie is that the island and the people that inhabit the island are not villains. They're not bad people. They are doing what they are doing to save the many, to save the elders, to save the, the children, to, to save their way of life. And they have a belief that if they, if they do this ritualistic thing, it will do that. Um, and I, you know, it was, a, it was a thing with the producers and I talked about when we were developing the script, which was if one person could die and it could save a thousand, wouldn't that be worth it? And what would you do if you were in that position that you knew that your single life could save a thousand lives? Um, it's just something that I always found really fascinating. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the other part of it too, is you're, you, there's a, within this, the, the other side of the horror besides the, you know, the whole, what's, what is the best choice here? What is my choice? Oh my God. If I, 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 do I have this within me to, to sacrifice myself is also just the sense of, of loss and disorientation in a strange place that you touched on in this. Um, you conveyed that really well with like the editing as and the story and Maggie Q just is amazing. in in these scenes where you were like, okay, Oh my God, what I, you know, 
if you didn't speak the language, if you didn't know what was going on, what do you do when you're by yourself like this? It's like a, the traveler's worst nightmare. Yeah. I, you know, I found myself recently uh, a few times uh, in, in places where I was without technology and I was forced to kind of fend for myself. And in most recently it was in Japan and I had a moment uh, where I was in Japan and I was in a taxi and my phone died. And how I was communicating before is I would show them pictures. Like I would, I would show them my uh, email and the email would say where I was going and they would look at it and they would nod and they would go. But there was one moment that I had just moved to hotels. I did not know where I was and uh, my phone dies. And so I, the, the, the cab, the, the driver, you know, turns around to me and, and, and basically was motioning for me to film the phone again. The phone was dead and he had no idea where to take me. And eventually, after 20, like 20 minutes of driving around, he kind of just let me out. And I, I had to walk in Tokyo. And Tokyo is a very safe city. But it was so crazy to me that how, how naked I felt. Here I was in this very populated place, bustling with technology, yet I felt like a neophyte because I had no technology. I had no way to communicate with my wife or my children or the producers on this project. And in some respects, it was the first time I'd felt alive in a long time because I had to be present. I had to be in the moment. I had to try to deduce things and figure things out. So imagine if it was not Tokyo. Imagine if it was in a place that you weren't able to use technology and or able to ask for help. That that's a terrifying that's a terrifying thought. Oh yeah. No, I I've had it happen to me and it's like Okay, what do I do? Can I draw a picture? Do I even have a pencil? <laughs> you know, it's, we've become so reliant on it. Well, even, and <laughs> even in the United States, I mean, it doesn't have to be out of the country. Like, you know, we are so reliant on our GPS. I just traveled across the country to see my parents. And, uh, you know, I was, I was driving 12, 13 hours a day. And, you know, imagine the GPS going off when I'm halfway, you know, out between Los Angeles and Kansas, mm-hmm. you know, getting lost in the backwoods somewhere. With, you know, and there was, there was one moment on the drive that I was on empty and I didn't realize that I wasn't paying attention. And I looked over to my gas tank and it was empty. And just imagine my phone was dead and I had my son with me. Like these type of things are real, you know, that you don't, you don't realize that you can be lost even in today's world. Well, I mean, people are so reliant on their GPS that they've literally driven into, I think I've read they've, they've, they, they died. They drove off a cliff. Um, because they weren't paying yeah. that that's how much attention that they gave. They were just so reliant. And it's like, man, it's kind of nuts how much we've relied on that now. And if we find ourselves in that situation, we're kind of screwed. Um, and it's interesting to me, I was reading about who co-wrote the film. And one of them is a gentleman named David Tish, who actually has a bunch of travel channel <laughs> credits to his oh, name. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like- <laughs> David. Uh, well, David Tish, the writer on this, uh, you know, he he was really great. We the original script was much different, um, and it dealt. Uh, it was a lot more. I don't want to say redundant because that's not the right word, but it dealt in in things that I'd seen before, dealing a lot in voodoo culture, and mm-hmm. I wanted to try to. I wanted to try to, to move it away from being voodoo and put it into something that people had not seen before. Uh, and so we started doing some research onto Southeast Asia and some of the smaller islands culture. 
And could we, could we try to find an interesting way to do something that people wouldn't immediately say, oh, it's just like Serpent in the Rainbow or just like this. So we, we kind of moved it away from voodoo and mm-hmm. put it into what we have now. Yeah, and it's absolutely beautiful, too, because Thailand is just a gorgeous area anyway. But it's you, you don't really see a lot of, you know, I, I, I'm sure there's a lot of it, but there's not as much accessible of, of like, Taiwanese horror. And and uh, yeah. this, this gave such a beautifully creepy, because it's colorful, but it's also horrifying. Yeah. And you did such a good job yeah, capturing so, that. Thank you. You know, the, the DP, Jose, was fantastic in, in the, the look that he was able to pull out of it. And Thailand is a beautiful place. And I think that that is also what can be so scary about it is beauty. You know, instead of it being set in some scary, scary back, you know, backwards place, you're setting it in Thailand, which is beautiful. I mean, this Krabi, which is where you see most of the movie, where you are on the water. It's picture perfect and picturesque. Um, but again, that, that also produces its own, I think, ability to tap into fear is you're set in paradise, but everything bad is happening to you. Hell is raining down on you in this very kind of beautiful thing. And that's why, again, like some of my favorite moments in the movie aren't the ripping out of organs or the stabbing one another. It's the, it's the scenes where she goes into the tattoo shop and the man hugs her and smiles at her and says, thank you. Or she's standing on the boat dock and watching as her luggage is taken away. Or, you know, uh, she's standing there and a man bows to her and gives her a gift for no reason. Those right. are the type of things that are inherently creepy to me because they're, they're beautiful acts. They're very beautiful things of giving someone a gift, bowing at them. But then you realize what they're doing it for is something much more nefarious. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's inherently creepy. Um, and, uh, you did that, you, you, it, it just builds, it builds so well. And, uh, I really, I really loved it for that. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you about, and I'm, I'm probably about to lose you here, but one thing I wanted to ask you about was the, the desolation scenes, um, that you shot were, uh, and, and with the, the, you know, the, what, after the, the, you know, the uh, event happens, are just yeah. harrowing. And did you actually use footage from real ones or did you actually create, recreate? Because right now the world is just in so much chaos and, and we're having, we're having disasters right and left. Yeah. And it's, it's horrible to see. Um, how, did you recreate yeah. any of that? Did you take anything from real Some, events? I'll tell you, well, no, it's, those are, most of those are real events that we were, that we, that we have. I mean, some of it we did on set with, uh, wind machines and things like that. We did have wind machines and rain towers. Definitely. Um, but a lot, and believe it or not, some of it we shot in my backyard, uh, wow. with, with really tight shots of wind machines and, and rain. Uh, a lot of it was stock footage as well. And I think that, you know, I don't think we set out, uh, with with a with a hugely lofty political message, but it, it, someone brought it up to me, and I was like, "You're right. It kind of is." Which is, you know, um, the world is the, the world is falling apart. It seems. I live in Los Angeles, and there are fires that are surrounding. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems like the entire western seaboard. Things are burning. There are hurricanes out of control that are that are, you know, wiping out entire communities. Um, something has to be done about it that there, we as a, we as a population need to make a sacrifice and, and to our own comfort 
to to try to correct some of the corrosion that's happening to our world. Call it you know global warming and or anything else. And it's going to require a sacrifice. Maybe not a Maggie Q human sacrifice, but it's <laughs> going to require something out of us to try right. to change the path I feel that we're inevitably headed towards. Oh yeah, no, and and it's it's right there. I mean, it's 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 such a good metaphor for right now, and I'm I, I love it when when horror films in particular are able to convey things like that, even even if you don't realize you're doing it, but when, especially when you do, and you're able to do it in a way that makes people think all of a sudden in the back of their mind, oh yeah, I get it, and then they start thinking yeah. about it. Yes, I absolutely agree. That's fantastic. Well, Darren, I think I'm about to lose you. Thank you so, so much for this. Uh, this movie is fantastic um, and just beautifully done. So, again, thank you um, thank for making you so it another great film. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate it. Jessica, how are you? Hey, Jeremy. Doing great. Uh, great to meet you. And I fell in love with Rad Chad. I'm just going to get that out of the way first so you know that. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> so, um... That makes me happy in my heart to hear. Seriously, oh, that's really cool. You, I, I, uh, I may have cried a little bit at the end of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie. Um, so did I when I got the script, and I'm like, seriously, you're killing me again? <laughs> Why can't I live? Aaron doesn't like you. I think. <laughs> I know. I know. I. I've discovered this as I've been talking to people. I'm like, you know what? I think he has like a deep seated hatred of me. <laughs> It's jealousy. <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. I'm going to have to, we're, me and Aaron are going to have to get into counseling, I think, and, and really discover what's going on here. <laughs> well, I, I know I don't have you for very long, um, and I got to pick your brain. Um, first thing is, I consider this like an uber anthology. I mean, there's so many stories, and it's so brilliantly linked together with you and the and the store. How was this film described to you? Um, that's a good question. I, I, you know, I think it was funny. Originally, when we when we started talking about it, they were actually going to try to weave my character into the actual stories that were going on and the in-between segments, but they found it to be just so absolutely ridiculous to try to pull off and to try to, <laughs> to, try to put all that together. Um, that they ended up going with, uh, you know, the in-between segments and then the final segment. So it was just really cool for me to see the, how the whole process came together and how that, you know, how these guys work together and, and, and write stuff. But it was about two years that they spent doing the um, short films in different locations around the U.S. And then they sort of started writing the uh, intermediate stuff and then the final segment after that. Well, and the one thing that, um, I mean, first of all, I mean, were you shocked or, uh, or surprised at all by how, by how the, the horror community has sort of embraced this movie? Like it, it is beloved. It's, it's been, it's been such an amazing experience to see the reaction of this community. Like, um, it was funny because I joined like the mute fam and stuff like that on Facebook a few months before we were filming and I, you know, I see a lot of the reactions on Twitter and a lot of re reactions on Facebook to a lot of different films. And 
when this one came out, just how supportive everybody's been and how they how they can really see that, you know, it really shines through that Aaron, the director, is such a fan of horror and such a walking encyclopedia of horror. Um, I, you know, I still don't think everyone has gotten every single reference that's in there, to tell you the <laughs> truth. Um, but I think true horror fans really appreciate the depth that the movie goes when you really stop to take the time to look at it and think about it. So it's it's been from from when we were first talking about it to filming it to now seeing the reaction. I mean, that there's there's no better thing to see than that, that, that people tell you that they love the character and that it made them laugh and smile and they want to show it to their friends. I mean, I've, I've grown up watched, like really enjoying comedy movies like that. And I know when I, when I, when a movie can take me away from everyday life for two hours and make me laugh and, and keep a smile on my face for the rest of the day, like that's the ultimate. Well, right? and especially this one and, one thing I wanted to ask was, did you ever have a favorite video store growing up? Because we had, before the olden days and in, in the, the days of plague, we had video stores that, you you know, local mom and pops and things like that. Did you ever have one that was your favorite? I did, yeah. There was this little video store that was, I don't know, a mile or two from our house that my parents used to take us to. And I don't remember the name of it. It was, it was, a, it was definitely a mom and pop store. And it was one of those things that, like, you know, the new release movies, they might have three of them, and they were usually out. Um, and I remember, I mean, I can certainly remember when they first started renting video games, and you'd go to rent a video game, and it was like, you'd have to wait like three months for it actually to be in stock. And then, you know, when I was a little bit older, there was, you know, there was definitely a blockbuster right down the street from my house that, that I spent a lot of time at, too. But, um, but just, just the whole social experience of oh, being yeah. able to go to a video store on this, yeah. I, I I thought that was the thing where you met other people, like you'd be going, grabbing for the same right. cassette or looking around. And I actually worked at one, and and I taught. I called it toss and vid. I'd restock the shelves, and I could do it so quick because I knew exactly where <laughs> everything was. Um, That's awesome! Oh my gosh! Uh, so one thing that I really loved was how you made fun of the usual plots and twists with the film, but you kept a right. heart in it and and i mean the the heart was you 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 kind of represented the fans in this movie and i told aaron someone needs to do a sequel and we do a voodoo ceremony of some sort around a vhs tape and bring you back to life <laughs> like he that your spirit again anyway is... he would just kill me again anyway <laughs> Yeah, but that's the thing, because the video store will never die. There's the whole drive and never dies. The video store will never die. So Chad can't. Hey, go I will away. never. I will never. Um, I will never disagree with something that says that <laughs> Brad Chad should be back. And um, because you know, even the experience of this, like every single person that I was fortunate enough to work with was just so awesome and so great in their roles. Um, I mean, I would love to do a, uh, a sitcom with, just, you know, me, Han, and Byron just in the just in the video store. I think that would be the funnest thing in the world, you know? I would watch that. <laughs> yeah, I would. I, I mean, it, don't tell Aaron, but they wouldn't even have to pay me to do that one. I would probably just go in for free. But We're I, not recording this, right? None of this is going to no, no, this I, is I not going to be shown or okay. listened to or anything. Um, <laughs> 
gosh, don't tell him. Uh, <laughs> um, you can edit that out. <laughs> but what I, I really did love that part of it, and um, it was really a love letter to the fans. And one thing that I I freaked, as did everyone, when we saw this on The Last Drive-In, was when Joe Bob showed up. And right. Which I screamed aloud. I'm like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> But you, you guys touched on something that I thought was uh, very true for a lot of people. And that was these movies at the time when we were growing up were an escape for us. And it was a way for, you know, like uh, young kids that didn't have people at home with them looked up to these characters. I know... On one, right. I could count on uh, my both my hands and, and your hands, the number of people that I've talked to that Joe Bob helped them through. And I was just wondering right. if you right. if 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 you've heard that, if you have, you know, what was the experience like for you with filming with him and and having that aspect of the character come out? Um, it was like I said, it was absolutely awesome to be able to work with Joe Bob and. You know, Aaron had called me about it um, probably about a month before we were filming. And the crazy thing is, you know, Aaron grew up a huge uh, Joe Bob fan from uh, Monster Vision and Drive-In Theater. And he had Joe Bob in mind from, like, the very beginning. He's like, I want to have this guru that shows up at the end that kind of saves the day. And, I mean, this was before all the Shutter stuff was happening this is before sort of joe bob's resurgence and so i mean i think a lot of that bleeds through in the film because it's coming from a true place of heart and um you know i i think it's such a great experience for people to have to to be able to see this and to to connect you know and, and i think the thing with rad chad i think joe bob is his dad i mean that really does play into you know, the way a lot of people feel about, because there are all these, you know, I don't know if you call them celebrities or, or whatever, but people that you experience as you're growing up um, that you really do look up to and you do do learn from. And so I think that was the cool part of the film um, for me and getting to work with Joe Bob. And, and then Aaron kills him. And then Aaron kills him <laughs> too. What is wrong with Aaron? We need to talk hashtag, to Aaron about his issue. Hashtag, what's wrong with Aaron Coon? <laughs> Can we get that trending? I, I think we should. <laughs> he, he might <laughs> he might appreciate it. I mean, I don't know. First Good, you kill he... Joe Bob, then you kill Rad Chad. <laughs> like, he's just tearing our hearts out slowly, right? Within succession. I mean, like, boom, boom. It's like, wait. It was very quick, too. It was very I, <laughs> I remember reading the script and I'm like, it was this build up, build up, build up. And then I'm like, oh, I'm dead. Okay. Uh, cool. Um, so um, one thing that I wanted to ask you about, because I know I'm about to lose you here in a couple minutes, but the the one thing that I really loved about this movie and about The Pale Door um, were you and Aaron and, and the team's making these films were able to show the di- diversity of horror. I really like how he can go and you can go from being in a comedic film like this. Wh- and then you go over to the Peldor where you hit upon a lot of 
serious issues and it is scary it's and it's a right. western and how right. how horror can be so flexible um and you've done a few of these now can you talk yep. about um that that diversity in horror and and how you can utilize the genre in so many ways I mean, I think I think Aaron has done an absolutely amazing job of kind of bending bending the the normal rules and the normal you know the norms. I mean, with Pale Door, I don't think there's been a horror western out for quite some time. And now, now it's funny because now that this is out, you're actually seeing a lot of them come um, on the tails of that one. <laughs> and even what he did with Scare Package. I mean, if you look at Scare Package. You know, there's there's a lot of comedy in there, but then like some of the shorts go in a totally different way. Um, you know, I, uh, I'm trying to think of the uh, which one. Uh, so much to do sort of reaches into that sci-fi realm, mm-hmm. um, and then you turn so many of the of the normal tropes kind of on their head. You know, where you know, especially with horror hypothesis at the end. You know, all the guys are, are thinking that they're the leaders, but it's the girls that are making the, you know, the the right decisions, right? <laughs> which is which is probably what it's what it's what it's closer to in real life. Anyway, <laughs> um, but there is just such an amazing um, amount of things that you can do with within the horror genre. I mean, it's so, so wide open, and I and I, I love the fact that Aaron really explores that. Even if you go back to like Camera Obscura that he did before this. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was more of like a psychological thriller. And and yet he called me up and he goes, hey, man, we're going to put this kind of crazy character right in the middle. Um, and, you know, and that's where the uh, Buckley's actually started about. Um, I played a, uh, a hardware store owner and it was sort of this off the wall, sort of comedic offbeat section of that movie that. You know, they didn't know whether it was going to fit or not, but it, it was it was just an interesting thing that he was able to pull off. That's fantastic. Well, I so my last question for you would be this, and I'm putting this into the ether, and hopefully Aaron hears this and this actually <laughs> happens, and you probably know where I'm going with it. Um, I I would like to see Rad Chad back to life because he's great, and um, he's us, and. If if you did get to, uh, do... I would say I would second that motion. Go on. <laughs> and if you do get to do another scare package, um, uh, if there was another horror host that Rad Chad, if it can't be Joe Bob because we for some reason we kill him, uh, if you could do <laughs> a, have another horror host on, who would you choose to be your partner in crime for the next one? Oh man, that's a good question. I, you know, I think a name that I heard thrown around uh, before production on this was possibly Elvira. So I think, I think something like that would be kind of cool, to where you have another like absolute legend of horror that would that would be involved. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say Elvira would be cool. I can only imagine Chad and Elvira. <laughs> That that might just not be something. I don't. I could just see him just stand. He just stood there. He'd just stand and not move. He just right. Look, he, yeah, yeah. He would he just stare. <laughs> either that, or he would like try to be the superhero of of what was going on and really screw things up. I think, um, <laughs> as only as only Chad can, <laughs> like trying to impress her. 
I can see that happening. Oh my God, that would be perfect. Uh, Jeremy, thank you so much, and thank you for the gift of this movie. You made a great character, oh. and um, I, I have displayed my Rad Chad uh, rental card proudly uh, in, <laughs> on my office wall. So thank you again. This has been great, and uh, keep making these great films. You guys are fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. You have no idea how much uh, how much that means to me, and I really do appreciate it. Oh, we we love you guys. So thank you for that gift. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>